bitches bad and bullshit. Cool. Um, I'm trying to think of how I do this at the end, but it's fine. We'll figure it out after. <coughs> Ready? Ready. Woo. First podcast of 2018. I know. We're... <laughs> <laughs> it does get me into it. Yeah. Because now I'm like getting into it. Yeah. And I'm like, all my Rogers problems are like going away. Ah. dissipating. <laughs> all right. Okay. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. And I'm Erica. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy 2018. New Year. New pod. New season. Yeah. We got renewed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I can already feel the like... The rust coming off the wheels here. It's been a few weeks since we've been in the studio. It has been a few weeks. It's been like since I think the second, December second or December ninth. ninth. Yeah. Ninth? Yeah. So it's been about a month. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I know. Um I'm trying to figure out how to work all the equipment again. I almost forgot my um earbuds, so I it's like I've never done this before. <laughs> <laughs> so Erica, you went back home to Alberta for the holidays. Yeah. How was that? It was it was all right. Just all right. Yeah, I mean for I think for the past couple of years I've really been feeling like Ottawa's my home. Mm. And that kind of shift is like something I fought for a long time, but it, it is what it is. So. Right. I feel like I'm already in my city, in a way. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, oh, hey, Alberta, what's up? Oh, minimum wage? You're complaining about that, too? Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Ontario. (laughs) But they do have an NDP government out in Alberta. They hate them. (laughs) Sure, but, you know. (laughs) That NDP government, you know, they're not going to get reelected. They're going to be a one and done. One and done. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's Alberta's flirtation with progression. I always <laughs> like when you, you visit your parents that you always post a lot of uh, cooking videos on Instagram. I do. My Okay. So my mom especially and I bond over cooking. Mm. And she usually like teaches me something new about like cultural, our cultural food. Oh, cool. And um or I get to watch it being made again. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like getting back to my roots at home. Nice. Yeah. In minus 40 degree weather. In minus 40. But it's a dry cold, which is a bit different. But it was cold as hell. Ugh. I don't know. I don't know why my parents immigrated to this country. Because I'm just <laughs> like, I feel like California was an option. <laughs> I mean, they're in a similar time zone. Kind of. Like, are there an hour time difference? I I just, like, why did you stop in the mountainous region? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. I I definitely, this week in Ottawa, I'm feeling like, why did I move here again? Was it worth it? That's right, because you're from Vancouver. Is Van- What's Vancouver's weather like? Um, It was very, been, it was quite cold for Vancouver. It snowed a bit, Um, but I didn't go home to my parents' house for the holidays, I was back in Nova Scotia visiting my boyfriend and his family. Um, 
It was, was that? very cold there, but Vancouver had snow and Halifax did not. Okay. Um, so everyone on my Instagram back in Vancouver were just like, get me to somewhere where there's no snow. And you're like, Halifax. I'm like, Halifax. But uh, we had a windstorm and it was minus 20. What? what, what uh, uh, <laughs> wait a minute. There were hurricane <laughs> strength winds on Christmas Day. Oh, my gosh. Wait a minute. So it's minus 20 with no snow. Mine's funny with no snow. I feel gypped. <laughs> there were some flurries, but like nothing substantive. Okay. It's because it's on the water. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, but there was a windstorm on Christmas Day. There are windstorms. Like just. Yeah, there was like. Like hurricane-like winds? Yeah. Like in Halifax, it was like 110 kilometers an hour. What? Some other parts of the province, it was like 160, which is like category two to three level hurricane. Is this normal? Do they get no, this? Well, they get, they've gotten some hurricanes. But the windstorms? Not, I don't know. Oh. Because yeah. I'm like, is this climate change? Or... I don't know. Um, and like 80,000 residences lost power. It was. Did pretty... you lose power? No. Oh, thank God you had Wi-Fi. <laughs> Because I don't know what anybody would do without Wi-Fi. Uh, I'd have a very expensive uh, data <laughs> <Yeah>. bill. <laughs> so I'd tether to my boyfriend's phone and his unlimited data because of the American plans. Oh, is he with T-Mobile? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yo, okay. So I'm on the pl- – the- okay. So first of all, I had – on the way there, I had the best Air Canada flight experience ever i don't know what happened it's a it's a glitch okay yeah this doesn't usually happen i mean air canada is usually fine i usually have or maybe i just have a had a sunny disposition i don't mm. know but i was sitting next to this woman who was who was a roadie for cirque du soleil oh so we had the most interesting conversation and Al- andrea bocelli wow yeah so we had like four hours of convo okay I know. I God, talk a lot. Don't you... ever speak to me on the plane. <laughs> ever. Ever. I just want to no, watch the... a movie. I'm probably yeah. going to sleep. This chick was totally cool. Though. Totally cool. She was from um, Yukon. And she... anyway, she told me about her ex-husband. Anyway. Huh. Um, so where was I going? Oh, yeah. She told me about the T-Mobile plan. Yeah. And apparently you get unlimited data. Yeah. Like roaming, international yeah. roaming. Um, unlimited text pictures, yeah. da, 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 da. like unlimited, basically everything yeah. for like 60 or seven, no, $80, something for, ridiculously, something low. ridiculously yes. low like that. Unlimited international talk and text, unlimited roaming. So for data yeah. and all you need is a U.S. address. Yeah. Okay. I have a friend Get who on that, used everybody. to live in the States and he moved back to Vancouver uh, and he kept his... I mean, he got a, another Canadian number, but he kept his T-Mobile plan because he's like, I have a bunch of friends who live there. Like, it's easy for me to just talk to them that way for free. And Rogers can't even hook up my mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. God. Well, you know, here we are. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add about your, your vacation or our time away from each other? It's good to be back. It is good to be back. Yeah. Getting back into a routine. Big fan of routine. Yeah. 
I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be working. I'm just, I'm just, I'm happy to be totally occupied. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. I think sometimes I'm overstimulated, but whatever. Yes, but I don't like being understimulated because then I feel stressed that I'm not accomplishing anything. Right, and I don't do well with boredom. I don't manage boredom very well. Although I don't think that should be a skill, to be honest. No, I just tend to constantly feel like I'm waiting for the next thing to to happen. And I'm just like, oh, it's been like a couple hours. What have I done? Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I did get a new piercing. (gasps) Where? Frontal helix on my left ear. It's like above your tragus, the little like okay, okay. nubby no, no, thing. No, 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 no. What is the? It's is just it, a normal piercing. Is it the it's cartilage a, a, part? Yeah, it's a cartilage part. Okay. Yeah. And so it's like right up here. It's it's right here. Oh, I see it. Okay. You should take a picture of that for Insta. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I'd forgotten how uh, how much piercings hurt, and like the high maintenance required to like take care of them. Do you have a like a bottle of dead all? Yeah, and they give you some other some shit like yeah. to buy it, but oh, yeah, yeah. So, so what? Like, so what made you get the piercing? I don't know. I was just like, I just want to get pierced. <laughs> My boyfriend was like, oh, okay. I was like, want to get pierced too? He's like, nope. <laughs> uh, I was like, do you want to get my name tattooed on your chest? And he was like, no. <laughs> And then I said, do you don't want my name, like, right around your nipple? <laughs> he was like, no. <laughs> he was like, how would I ever cover that up? You don't. That's love. And I was like, it's love forever. <laughs> Duh. Duh. <laughs> and I was like, uh, make your nipple into, like, a f- ray of sunshine. Like, yeah. it's a sun. Yeah. There's many things you could do. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. No. Like, get on this. Get on this. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, on that note, uh, <sighs> let's get into it. All right, so this week in feminism, uh, Iceland made it. Cool. Okay. Start over. Yep. So this week in feminism, Iceland seeks to close its gender pay gap by making it illegal to pay men and women differently for the same work. Well, so this is a story we talked about in one of our first couple episodes. I feel like it was like episode three or something. Yeah. Like first three. When we were still recording in Bailey's living room. Oh, how far we've come. <laughs> <sighs> uh, we'd have Sasha clacking along the floor. The pod dog. The pod dog. Um, yeah. So on January 1st of this year, Iceland officially made it illegal to pay men more than women making them the first country in the world to ban pay discrimination on the basis of gender. In 2016, Iceland had closed 87% of their gender pay gap. Wow. Yeah. Uh, And for the past nine years, Iceland has been ranked by the World Economic Forum as the world's most gender equal country. Uh, This is done via the Global Gender Gap Report, a massive worldwide survey that evaluates a nation state's a nation's state of gender equality using measures such as economic opportunity, political empowerment, and health and survival. Um, Iceland scores well on almost every front of gender parity. It has had a female president for 20 of the past 50 years, which is phenomenal. Unreal. Um, Nearly 50% of its parliament members are women, and it's closed its health and education gender gaps 
many years ago. However, according to the head of the World Economic Forum's gender equality campaign, the factor that most contributes to Iceland thinning, Iceland's thinning gender wage gap is women's economic participation because their population is so small. Hmm. So because, you know, you, they've only got a population of a hundred and some thousand people, they, women literally have to work in order to keep the country running. Ah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's very interesting. Especially now that tourism in Iceland has gone through the roof. Everyone on Instagram has gone to Iceland. Why? Why Why now? I mean, they did a major or? push. Oh, okay. They've done, so, like, a, there's been a huge push to go okay. to Iceland over the past, like, several years. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, everyone just goes to Iceland. And now you've got, like, low-cost flights. I think it's very what, expensive once you're there. What am I doing with my life? Uh. <laughs> what am I doing with my vacation? Well, yeah. That's more that. like it. Yes. Um, yeah, so I think it's really cool that they've made it, or they're trying to close the, the gap in such, like, a very deliberate way. I think that's the point. It yeah. has to be deliberate. Yes. It doesn't just happen. <laughs> we have this idea in Canada, especially, that somehow we're moral people. And I love this. You know what I love? I love this argument. Well, if, if corporations see that you're good enough, they'll just pick you up, negating all of the barriers to entry. Hold on. Wait. Are you talking about libertarianism? Kind of a little. I'm talking about white privileged guys who oh, love yeah. saying that. Yeah, totally. They love saying that. Oh, well, well, if you're good enough, as though we live in a meritocracy. We can pretend we live in a meritocracy all we want. But we don't. And the thing is that unless you are some Laurentian elite, you're never going to run a magazine. You're never going to run a newspaper. Well, well. <laughs> Look at the state of newspapers. <laughs> You're never going to run a corporation. So, and you have to be of a certain class and the right gender and the right race and the right pedigree. Yes. At the right time. Yes. That's what success requires in Canada or in North America. To, in, in North America, you're right. Success to that level. Although in the States, you can actually pick out people who that does not fit. Yes more easily than in, in Canada. Yes. Um, yeah, we definitely rely a lot on like, oh, like we're good people, therefore we will we'll just naturally do the right thing. <laughs> that is just the most Pollyanna bullshit. I hate when people tell me that shit. I want to punch them in the face because I, <sighs> I, I just, I don't understand how you could be that naive. And especially with, like I remember seeing on Twitter recently, um uh, somebody was saying it was in relation to the minimum wage mm -hmm. and he was saying that his wife works at tim hortons um because she stayed home for uh i guess a while 10 years or whatever to raise the kids even though she has a master's degree mm -hmm. she can't get a job in her field not even at an entry level because there's also age discrimination yeah. right so um so some idiot white guy said, uh, oh, well, if she's a good enough worker, she can prove herself and make it up the chain and and somebody will recognize her talents. So what? She should just wish on she should just bank on a hope and a prayer that somebody sees her. 
That's going to pay the bills. That's going to pay the bill. What the fuck is that? Anyway, that's my thing. That is just my pet peeve in general. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they even got to 87% is really quite something. Yeah. Without legislation. Yeah. Without legislation. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So to get that extra 13% they put in. Yeah. So what are they doing that we're not? Or what is in their, what is a part of their ethos, their, their national ethos that we don't have? I don't know. Um, I mean, like the World Economic Forum says that it's just because like they literally can't have people staying at home and not contributing to the economy. I think so. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Whereas like we are a wealthy enough country that we don't need to have economic participation from everybody. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's like a lot of other socialist, like more socialist countries. Mm -hmm. Um, like all those Nordic countries mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, they've got high taxes and their happiness is higher and they have free education and free health care and mm-hmm. all, so all types of health Great fashion. Yes. Yeah. I'm just saying it's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So in other words, they're still creative. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. They're it's... not just bureaucratic countries is my point. Yeah. Sorry. I just I just felt like I had to explain that for some reason. What do you mean? Oh, oh, Canada, Um, because we're a very bureaucratic country. Okay. And the creativity. I mean, they're creative people here, but as a culture of creativity, not so much. I want. I think this is like a a question for a different podcast, but uh, is it not so much that we aren't necessarily creative people, but people here don't appreciate the creativity? You know what? Why don't we pose that as like a question to the listeners? And yeah, they could. Why don't you guys answer that question for us and write in and tell us what you think? Yeah, because I mean. You see this with, like, you're talking about newspapers and the state of media in Canada. It's because people just think that they can get everything for free and they don't appreciate the value of, like, the news. And I don't disagree with the argument that the quality isn't necessarily there and why should you pay for it. But if we want to keep having independent media and better reporting then you need to kind of pony up the money so maybe it's a question of value it's what we value and maybe that goes back to this gender gap and it's the same question that we're having with the the cbc and whether or not the cbc should be getting advertiser money Mm -hmm. i don't think they should Mm -hmm. because they're competing for the same advertisers as the Globe and Mail, as a Toronto Star. Yeah, because they're subsidized. Because And they're already subsidized by government. So why are they taking that money away from the private corporations? That's a good question. Um, and I was involved in a conversation over the, the holidays um, about Canadian with a, my, a, a friend of my boyfriend who is a comedian. He was like, 
No one is looking to make comedy shows in Canada right now, unless you're fill a very specific niche. Unless you're at Kim's Convenience, unless you're a little mosque on the prairie, no one wants to do. Okay, this is my problem right here. Okay, this is my problem. There is YouTube. There is Facebook. There, if you want to have a comedy show, you can create a comedy show. Yes, it has not. It's not going to be funded by CBC <gasps> yet. Yes, but even yet. but even CBC. So the videos on CBC Comedy, even they want them to come produced. Yes. They want you to provide them with the content and you get maybe at $200. Well, then I don't see why you can't put your own content out there is my point. Sure. And create a following. Sure. Like, I, I don't I – also, I also don't think that we should be relying on – CBC – No, but, like, the CBC needs to have more original content yes, for sure. Yes, they do. They do. Like, I guess I see it on both sides. On, on one hand, I think that we have an unprecedented sort of, of – opportunity to put our stuff out there yes and what people grab onto will um succeed not i mean there are many factors to that too but the cbc does not know what valuable content is they just don't know yes they don't know what to pick up they don't these are people who put tom powers on bloody cue yes and and it's the most boring shit out there now and i'm just like okay yay i mean they don't know the national post doesn't even know what good writing is anymore yeah um and then the problem is you get all of the canadian talent who can't get support from the cbc or other uh canadian organizations and they just go down south to America. Well, that's Canada, we're having though. A, we're having a creative dr- brain drain. Yeah, but that's Canada, though. Sure. Canada does not recognize its own talent. Tall unless, poppy syndrome. Right. Unless the Americans say it's great first. Yep. At the end of the day, write me. I, uh, at at me. At me. At me on this point, okay? We do not recognize our own talent until America says it's talent. Yes. I don't I know. I, I 100% don't know. support that. Yeah, I don't know how this got from. So, like, for example, um, uh, uh, I think it was the head of going back to the gender pay gap and stuff like that. I think it was the head of, oh, Canada Post. A, I feel like there was a woman who was head of Canada Post or she applied for the Canada Post job. I can't remember. Yeah. But the head of Canada Post. And she couldn't find another job in Canada. And guess who took her in and made her the head of Royal Mail? It was the British. Yeah. And so I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with us? Well, this is the exact same thing that we're seeing on the Today Show with the loss of Matt Lauer or the firing of Matt Lauer and Hoda getting the, the, the co-anchor job. And yeah. she's making millions less. That's disgusting. Disgusting. Like, I get that he obviously, like, within a pay scale, he's probably going to be at the higher end because he's been around longer. He's more of a household name. But I'm sorry, but she should not have such a significant gap. Exactly. So fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. You know what? Those NBC executives should be taken out and, like, tied to a post (laughs) and, like, have honey, like, just, like, pour honey all over them and they just release the bees 
I feel like. Did this you is, watch Home Alone over the holidays? I just, was that in Home Alone? No, but like. You put the, like the thing on him with like the tar and the feathering. Yes, like that. Yeah. Tar and feather. I'm here for it. Okay. <laughs> watched Home Alone. I definitely watched Home Alone over the holidays. Did it you? stands up. Did you? The, the first one? The first one. Okay. That is a classic. Yeah. You know what else I'm watching? I, I just randomly gem in the holograms. I love that shit. I fucking mm. love that show. Thank you. Okay. Okay. I'm so I had excited. a gem Barbie. <gasps> really? She was like a lot bigger than other Barbies. Yes, so, she like, was. It was really awkward to play with her with like the other Barbies because she was like a, a giant. Yeah, she was. She was and, like, a bit, yeah. she couldn't wear the other Barbie clothes. They couldn't wear her clothes. So like Jem was fit as a Barbie. And well, she wasn't a Barbie, but as a doll, Jen was like, Jem was like, you know, solid. Oh, yeah. 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 Moving on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, we wanted to talk about uh, a story that we had published on our Facebook page earlier this week. If you didn't see it, uh, you should follow us on Facebook or like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash bad and be podcast. Um, if you, in case you, for whatever reason, didn't know that. Yes. Um, but it, it's about why makeup matters to women in prison. Um, so just over a century ago, inmates, inmates um, would DIY their own beauty supplies in order to make up for their limited options. And they still do that now. Um, they use everything from Kool-Aid to make hair dye. By the way, my friends and I, like, in 1999... Would like dye our hair with Kool Aid. I was, it was more like my liquid blush. Okay, but yeah. like it didn't show up in my hair because I'm a brunette and my friends were blonde. Oh, oh, yeah. So that kind of was dumb, but it smelled really good. Ooh. Um, <laughs> and they've also done, uh, they've also melted Jolly Ranchers for hair gel, which is weird. Sticky. I wouldn't have thought about that. It's very sticky. It's very messy sounding. Um. And while these DIY beauty supplies are interesting, um, other recent stories on this topic have led to the question, why should inc the incarcerated be allowed to access makeup? And of course, the general response to these stories is what you would expect, that these people are there to serve time, not to get cover girl. Um, makeup is a much bigger analogy for other issues in our society and the prison system, um, specifically is the point of incarceration to rehabilitate or to break? Um, men make up 93% of today's prison population, and the women's prison population has grown by 700%, rising from roughly 26,000 in 1980 to over 215,000 in 2014. Um, but since men make up the bulk of uh inmates and have always uh, the entire system has been designed to handle their specific risks and needs completely ignoring women and women in, and in particularly women of color are consistently ignored in the conversations around criminal justice reform but uh, race is a relevant factor and while the rate of african-american women in prison has been falling the rate of white women has been increasing uh, rising by 56%, which was a shocking statistic I to didn't me. realize that. Shocking. You know why? Drugs. Economics. Oh, yeah. The 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 um, the um Rust Belt. Yeah. 
So I, it's not surprising, actually. Yeah. Like, when you think about it that way, it's not surprising, but I was really surprised by this statistic. Yeah. Um, women mm. of color are still unfairly impacted. Um, in fact, black women are incarcerated at more than twice the rate of white women, even though they only make up 12.7% of the female population, um, with white women making up 61.7%. And that's the prison population. Yes. Which surprised me also. Yes. And just to be clear, all these statistics are U.S. statistics. Yeah. Um, so almost 90% of women in the prison system have experienced sexual abuse and violence, uh, most of them during their childhoods. Uh, and these past, past, ugh, these pasts have put them on a direct path towards incarceration so much that um everyone's boyfriend senator senator cory booker from new jersey (laughs) (laughs) called it the quote survivor of sexual trauma to prison pipeline um which is not surprising actually because no i mean i i i i know you have more to say um but i i just wanted to break in and say this doesn't happen in a vacuum you don't just wake up one day and say i'm gonna commit a crime and then it's you sh- generally crimes of necessity. Yeah. Usually. Oh, I have. Oh, I have a how to get away with murder reference. Great. Okay. I haven't watched this season. Um. Yes, I, it was this season. OK, I haven't watched it yet. OK, I have caught up on Scandal. I'm very here for the how to get away with murder scandal crossover. Me too. Here for it. Yeah, I was waiting. I know. A- anyway. Uh, how to get away with murder? Viola Davis and her comeback, you know, um, Annalise Keating and her comeback. Uh, she represented a black woman, and the story was this: that her father, who was a heroin addict, sold her when she was thirteen to a gang that basically assaulted and abused and raped her over and over and over. She started taking drugs to, you know, to deal with that and, you know, ended up prostituting herself. Um, Or I think the correct term is sex worker. Mm -hmm. Um, And ended up incarcerated for that. So not, of course, this is a fictitious story, but... Um, I do believe that that happens a lot, not necessarily sold into whatever, but the point is, is that the abuse is where it starts. And it usually starts when you're a child. Yeah. And there's no defense for a child. No. And that is the fucking point. Anyway, go on, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to make that. Yeah. Um, So to look at the breakdown of uh, women in the system, an overwhelming 86% are sexual sexual abuse survivors, 60% have experienced caregiver violence, and over 90% of women who were convicted of murdering a partner were victims of partner abuse. Uh, Then take into account that 32% have a serious mental illness and 82% suffer drug or alcohol addiction, which often was used to self-medicate in order to cope with the side effects of events in their past. Um, These statistics then create a domino effect, which is hard to ignore, which is those with histories of abuse are 77% more likely to be arrested than women who did not suffer that kind of trauma. 
Um, so knowing this, we throw these women into a setting that could trigger their past and PTSD, where they're put through strip searches and pat downs and have their movements restricted. They get verbally torn down. They are disciplined by probably, very possibly, male authority figures who then trigger violent memories. That is if they're not abused by those authority figures, too. Yes. Um, so one woman who the article interviewed, um, she says, quote, we lost so much and most women in the penitentiary have been abused and traumatized for most of their lives. Uh, having someone have that degree of control over you, deciding whether or not you can wear makeup is a power dynamic of taking choice away and it's abuse. So while makeup won't solve the deep issues within the prison system, uh, the need for it behind bars is a mental, uh, is a mental change, is a mental uh, need, and not like a physical one. Well, I think this just perfectly lines up with um, our bonus pod that's coming up. Yes, about New Year's resolutions and body politics. And basically what we talked about was the control of women's bodies as it moves through the spaces that we have to move through, right? So makeup and the ability to put on a face, the ability to construct an identity and a dynamic with makeup is choice. And I I really do think that when people talk about makeup, especially, I hear this all the time. As a makeup artist, I hear this all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, why should we care about makeup? We should just love our insides. Mm, that's nice. Um, <laughs> and I, what I have to say is it's not necessarily about the beauty aspect. Yeah. But it's about that ritual of care. <laughs> And that ritual of care is in itself a control over your own body issue. Yes. Like, I think we just got woke. In a, th- <laughs> in a time where Donald Trump is president and the rights of so many people are being threatened, uh, more and more people are feeling anxious and stressed. And we've increasingly embrace the self-care movement which i mean i there are definitely issues with but finding those rituals finding those things that you like that clear your brain that calm you down are important and if you know putting on makeup or your skincare routine you know help calm you down help bring make you present and bring joy to your life, then I don't see why that should be problematic. Exactly. And what this article, I, you know, good on you for not listening to me and being like, no, we're doing this article. Because <laughs> I was like, but we posted it on Facebook. Why are we doing this again? And then I read the article. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I truly encourage you to go to our Facebook um, at Bad and B Podcast. Um, so Facebook.com forward slash Bad and B Podcast. 
I re I reposted it on my Facebook page, not in my color with a U. Um, <laughs> you have to tell people that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so I truly, truly encourage you to read this article. It will give you a new dimension on what the, the connection is between beauty and femininity, humanity and womanhood. One of the things that I found really interesting is that what the women were saying was that it made us feel more human. Yeah. And it gave us back that piece of humanity that we could still hold on to. And I think that is so friggin' important. Yeah. And what else this, this article did is it made me think of what are we doing with incarceration? Well, people like a lot of people view people in prison as animals yes you know they're people who are animals that need to be punished and locked up because they've done something wrong and by just viewing and thinking of these people as animals that's stripping them of their humanity um and then when they get out they're not allowed to vote they can't they can barely get a job yeah and they'll probably and the thing is even if they can get a job i'm pretty sure the employment conditions aren't ideal either mm -hmm. so they may be re-abused yeah. in that situation what are we doing about that nothing because i don't know what kind of society we live in where we don't give a shit yeah you know, like we really have to start looking in the mirror, people, because I, I really don't know what kind of society we think we're going to have. Yeah. One with no crime. No. But we lock people up and we forget about them and we throw away the key. Well, they come out. And they have to reintegrate into society. Yeah. We can't. They don't just go away. Yeah. And like. A lot of the stuff that I read when I was in school, and I have a degree in criminology, is that... I was just going to say, you, yeah, you took criminology. Um, one of the most stressful things for inmates when they are released is going to the grocery store because they're just faced with so many choices that they, because they've been told for so long what to do, when to do it, eat this, do this, that they are paralyzed and that makes them stressed and anxious and they start that's kind of a trigger for them and to go back into their own ways because you know whether like they may be well-intentioned to change their lives but if we're not as a society providing them with the means to succeed then they're just gonna recidivate exactly great well, this is why i love racked by the way yeah it's a, it's a great site Yes. So we're going to talk about something um, that happened January 1st. Um, 2018 started with a major announcement from several Hollywood A-listers. Full-page ads were taken out in major newspapers, including the New York Times, that heralded the creation of Time's Up, the entertainment industry's women-led response to the wave of sexual misconduct, misconduct accusations that dominated the news in late 2017. Some of the big names attached to the initiative include Ashley Judd, Reese Witherspoon, and America Ferreira, who is recently pregnant, um, and announced this like the next day. 
there was a picture with her and her co-stars from the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Loved it. Also, I never saw that. Also, I didn't realize that Blake Lively was she thought, in that. Oh, she was in it. Oh, but I didn't think that like she was still hanging around with them since she's like much more famous. But she hasn't done anything. But a much less good actor. She just hasn't really she's done just anything. Very pretty, and married to Ryan Reynolds. Sure. Anyway, and she's remember, blonde. Yeah, and I I don't know what remember else preserve. to say. Remember preserve. <laughs> Anyway, so those three actresses uh, recently recounted their own experiences with sexual harassment and assault. Other women involved in the project are Shonda Rhimes, Eva Longoria, and Rashida Jones, who have long been vocal advocates for gender and racial equity in Hollywood. Time's Up is the first attempt in the industry to channel the know-how, connections, and sexual social capital of the 300 female producers, directors, actresses, agents, writers, lawyers, and executives involved in the project into a focused effort for substantive change. Uh, the main pillars of the agenda are designed to attack the long-standing epidemic of sexual harassment from several sides. There's a legal defense fund that currently has uh, $13 million to support women in blue-collar jobs who want to report instances of sexual misconduct. Um, the group also hopes to lobby for legislation that would crack down on companies that enable serial harassers and use non-disclosure agreements to prevent victims from telling others about their abuse. And uh, one of the many working groups in the initiative is called 5050 by 2020, which really could use a new name, um, which is pushing entertainment companies to pledge to make their leadership teams half of make their leadership teams half women in the next two years. Um, so the Golden Globes are this weekend. And by the time you listen to this podcast, they will have already happened. Oh, is this where they're wearing black? Yeah. So this is one of their first coordinated acts is to encourage women to wear black on the red carpet for How the Golden Globes. How about not going to the Golden Globes? Uh, so. <laughs> That's a better protest. Hold on. I've got thoughts. <laughs> Good. Um, I love when you have thoughts. So this this move to encourage women attending the Golden Globes who are all black is ostensibly to raise awareness about sexual harassment. Um, and uh, this article that this is from is in Slate. And uh, Slate says, if this is what times up counts as activism, the initiative is doomed. <laughs> the gender politics of the statement are askew. Since almost all men already wear black tuxes to the event, Time's Up is asking action of only women. And if any women don't get the memo or decide that their dress color is a counterproductive means of protest, those women will also certainly, almost certainly focus, be the focus of the next day's media coverage instead of the men who have made Hollywood a living hell. Boom. Yes. Here for that statement. I also just saw a headline that said that some women are going to be wearing pins to support Time's Up. So my thoughts are that, you know what? This is a great thing to do. Like the, the Time's Up as like a writ it's large It's a good start. Yeah. It's a good start. Yeah, you have yeah, a legal yeah. defense fund. You've got all of these things that you want to accomplish. And to get 300 people on the same page, great. What the fuck is this protest? It's bullshit. It's it's like it's low hanging fruit. And I heard, uh, you know what else I heard? Oh, the men are going to join in. 
and oh, and I'm just cool. like, so what are they gonna do? They're gonna switch to black from their what regular pink tux? Like, I mean that would that would be Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling can wear like an occasional color. He can wear anything or nothing, That's as far true. as I'm concerned. That's true. And I'm just saying, um, I do like him in a burgundy. Ooh, you know the burgundy one I'm yes, talking about. Yes. Yeah. Good on, yes, I like it. I don't like his like na- the navy one with the black lapels. No. Only because I don't like different colored lapels. Oh. But the like the navy looked good. What if it was like a royal blue with a navy lapel? Mm-mm. No. I don't, no tonality mm-hmm. either. No. No. Okay. I like yeah, the lapels actually, the same color. Like a actually, pocket square yeah. could be navy. Gotcha. Navy tie. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think it's bullshit. Uh, I think, <laughs> I, I think they should just stay home. You know what I think? I think they should just wear fucking sweatpants. Wear your Ooh. fucking workout clothes. Yes. Yes. You know what? Just yes. don't give a fuck. Go in your jeans. Yeah. That's great, actually. Like, just still go. Just look like garbage because, like, oh, they'll never do that. Because that Gar- garbage yeah. is like loose. Yeah, I know, I know, but they'll never do that. No, but you know why? It's because like th- we've always, recently, we've this discussion around awards shows has been that oh, like ask women more, don't talk about their dresses all the time and all their fashion. Oh, the mani cam is so dumb, which it is. Uh, There's a mani cam. Yeah. Oh my god, no. Yeah, I forget who it was who like went in there. Oh, I think it might have been. Emma, not Emma Stone. Anyway, there was an actress who like put her hand in the mani cam and then fingered the camera. Ooh, she was like, "Fuck you guys!" In this, I like it. Um. Anyway, so because we get annoyed with like all the talk of like all the dresses, wear fucking jeans, look like trash, and then you know what? All those people won't be getting all of the money that the women of Hollywood put into the system this is what it would be like if women didn't participate isn't Stuart white uh not Stuart white sorry um the job of the hut there what's his name um harvey weinstein yeah. isn't his wife or ex-wife part of marquesa yeah she's the owner there you go think how many people wear marquesa exactly marquesa's bad yeah um yeah I didn't realize that. There's the occasional dress that I'm like, oh, that's nice at Marquez, and I feel really bad inside, and I'm like, I die. It's like listening to Ignition, man. <laughs> the remix to Ignition, I'm just like, I can't. Yeah. 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 I know. I feel I feel somehow. But I generally just don't like Marquesa. Oh, you don't? No. Really? Yeah. No. It's too... Prissy? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I get you. I like the uh, the Tilda Swinton look. Ah, okay. The weirder, the better. Really, I'm more mm. Ellie Sop. Oh I'm yeah, going. but they they can she can they can be he can be pretty boring too. That's because we're used to him. Yeah, he's kind of yeah. For a Naeem Khan, I like. Oh yes. Oh yes. good. We found common ground on this. Yep. See, there you go. Anyway, I think this is bullshit. And if they really wanted to do something, look, nothing is going to change without changing the structure. So all of these initiatives, and that doesn't mean putting women um, in a male patriarchy, okay? It doesn't mean having female heads of organizations. organizations. What it means is that the, um, the way that people 
the, the entire structure has to change. The stories that are being told, the writers, the producers, the stuff that's greenlit. All of it, all of it has to change. I'm sorry. Yes. It's, it's, there's no other way. You have to change the system. Yes. Um, on a related note, mm. uh, female-led films won at the box office in 2017 for the first time in 59 years. Were there more made? Um, let's see. Female-led movies were the top three highest-grossing domestic films for the first time since 1958. Star Wars The Last Jedi, Beauty and the Beast, and Wonder Woman. Beauty and the Beast? Beauty and the Beast was the second highest-grossing movie of You're 2017. You're kidding me! It was, a que- it was a question on HQ Trivia on, I think, New Year's Eve. And mm. my boyfriend and I were playing. And he didn't know the answer. And I'm like, it's Beauty and the Beast. He's like, no. And I was like, oh, it is. Oh, I don't doubt you when you're when you're that sure. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was just like, really? And I was like, really? Like a cartoon it was, version? No, or, no. It was, this, was the it? version that starred Emma Watson. Oh! The real life, the live action. Oh, yes. Well, you know, listen, 2017 was the year of women biting back, I feel. Yep. Um from the the pussy hat wearing women's march to all the way to me too this really was the year of women biting the fuck back and look yeah. women look what we can accomplish we actually don't need the men ooh mm. ooh mm. um so i, I know some assholes going to be like somebody had to pay for it <laughs> fuck you anyway um yeah. So, I mean, who knows what the fallout's going to be from the Golden Globes. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it next week. Are you watching? I don't have a TV. Oh, shit. I don't have any sort of cable either. Yeah. So I guess I'll just... Maybe I'll find an internet stream? I don't know. I'll just follow on Twitter. Like I do everything else. Yeah, I might find it. I might find a stream on Reddit. We'll see. Right, right, true. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me about the usefulness of Reddit. Yeah. All right. Anyway, moving on. Let's move on. Um, this one Erica wants to talk about real bad. Yeah, Erica Garner died. So Erica Garner, activist Erica Garner, who is the daughter of Eric Garner who was killed by the hands of an NYPD officer who put him in a chokehold while arresting him for selling cigarettes. Lee, she died recently. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. And she leaves behind two small children, including a son who was born in August, making Garner one of the many black women who pass away within a year of giving birth. Black women suffer more from maternal mortality Death while pregnant or within one year of the end of a pregnancy due to complications than any other population in this country. This is the U.S. Risk factors like lack of quality health care, inadequate postpartum care, and chronic stress contribute to maternal mortality, all of which disproportionately impact black women. The combination of institutionalized racism chronic stress and the physical stress of childbirth can be deadly and some believe that was the case 
or garner as it is for so many black women in the United States. So according to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, black mothers die at three to four times the rate of white mothers. In uh, New York City, where Erica Garner lived, it's actually 12 times. Whoa. Yeah. I know. This this story, like this this issue, I didn't even realize. So this is, this is really surprising for me. Wow. In other words, black women are 243% more likely to die from pregnancy or childbirth-related causes within the first year of giving birth. Wow. And those numbers only reflect the national average. So Erica Garner gave birth to her second child in August. She had a son named Eric after her late father. And her grandmother told the New York Times that her that her granddaughter, or sorry, her mother told the New York Times that her daughter suffered her first heart attack after Eric Jr.'s birth which alerted doctors to her enlarged heart. Mm. In 2010, a professor at the University of Michigan School of Public Health concluded her study of black women, and which stated that bl- U.S. blacks may be biologically older than whites of the same chronological age due to the cumulative impact of repeated exposure to and high-effort coping with stressors due partially to stress and poverty at ages 49 to 55 black women are 7.5 years biologically older than white women the negative consequences of chronic stress on the body called weathering is changing the biology of black women whoa I didn't realize this this is crazy it's crazy and it's so funny because we're We've been talking about body body politics all day today. Yeah. And I, when we talk about Black Lives Matter, it includes health. Yes. It includes the stresses of, I'm sorry, racism is stress. It's stress. Mm -hmm. And if your father was killed by an NYPD officer who got off, think of the sorrow and pain that that causes if you like any mother who's lost a child knows of that heartbreak and it doesn't it's not just a parent and child thing it you know when your loved one dies violently at the hands of the state the the chronic pain that that causes causes adverse health effects Mm -hmm. and we're now starting to understand the psychological and actual physical health ramifications of institutional racism and generational suffering too is a thing. So I, I wanted to include this story just for number one awareness and number two, just to know that if you're like, again, that's a privilege of whiteness is to be free of that. Okay. Yeah, I, I hadn't considered the fact that stress ages you. Like, we always talk about how stress ages you, like your face and, you know, trauma. You can see it on people's faces. But I hadn't thought about, like, internally. 
Well, it's funny because when I left government um, and got rid of a lot of stress that I was holding on to, which I didn't even know. Right. That's the thing. It's so insidious. You don't even realize it. Um, my hair started growing again. Oh. And um, I could sleep again. And I, you know, I, it's not just having more energy. It's like my nails didn't break anymore. Huh. My skin got better. And those are all signs of stress, especially the hair and the nails and, you know, all of that. And that's just like working in a job that this is not like working at, I guess, a mill or a factory, right? It's, it's just, it's there. And I, we don't pay attention to it as a health risk factor or even a mental health factor. Yep. So awareness, people, awareness. I I think it's really interesting because I have, like, I see, like, the things that um, risk factors for this maternal mortality, you know, lack of quality health care, inadequate postpartum care, chronic stress. Yes, they disproportionately impact black women, but, like, this is also why the the U.S. has shitty health care for, like, Everybody. I mean, for everybody, but, like, for women. Yeah. And, you know, with the repeal of the individual mandate from the tax bill that the Republicans just passed, like, American healthcare is so fucked up, and I, I, like, look into it and consider, make a lot of considerations, or I consider it a lot just because, like, who knows, I may end up having kids in the States. And I'm like, oh, that's really shitty because, like, I'll get 6 to 12 weeks of maternity leave. And then I'm going to have to, like, part with my infant who can't be away from me and go back to work. Like, my body can't handle that. Um, my child sh- can't handle that. Um, you know, I may be suffering from postpartum depression. She did suffer from postpartum depression. And, yeah. like how are you supposed to deal with that while also going back to work but not sleeping? And it's just like a big repetitive cycle. And like, I don't know why Americans cannot understand the value of maternity leave or parental leave. I am afraid that Canadians will give away, will give that away very easily. Really? I'm concerned that Canadians will give away, we will give away our health care too easily. Because we don't know the other side, right? Mm. And I agree with you. The individual mandate, the repeal of the individual mandate. By the way, I see that as an aside, Obamacare um, applications have like jumped. Yes, they are. They were on pace. They were similar to the numbers from the previous year, despite having uh, a registration window of half the length of time. Yeah, so obviously there are Americans out there who realize, yeah. you know, and a lot of them, right? Yeah, um, and the repeal of the individual mandate doesn't happen for like another year. Yeah, and who knows what what's going to happen in between there yeah. because it's midterms this year. So, um, but the the repeal of the individual mandate also has an implication on mental health services, 
And that's something that we always talk about abortion and birth control and so on and so forth. But what about access to mental health services? And as we know, their mental health, like denial of mental health access can end like can you can end up in jail. Yeah. Like it's not what I'm trying to stress. It's not that far fetched. You are not. We're not immune to these kinds of outcomes. And when I say we, I don't mean Canada. like Canada's a bit, Canada's a lot different. But even access to mental health services in Canada is eroding. Is eroding. And again, I feel like we're giving this away at when we need it the most. Yes. And that's, that's what's frustrating to me is that it seems like nobody cares. Well, I wouldn't say nobody cares, but it seems as though we are just digging this hole for ourselves. For what? And it's very weird because on the one hand, we are increasingly becoming more aware of mental health, its importance, self-care, and all of the related things around that and how it's so important to living a healthy life. But at the same time, those services are one becoming harder to access and two uh in instances like at post media where you've got the union and they're trying to save money and they're cutting jobs but they're also cut they also cut their mental health benefits or what about tim hortons who cut a whole bunch of benefits yes. because of the ro- because the minimum wage went to $15 what is that doing to people what is that? Like, we are not islands, people. OK, somebody else's problem surely becomes your problem if it doesn't get treated. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. Anyway, that's my piece. <laughs> <laughs> um, our next and final uh, topic this week is a reader submission from Jen. Um, it is about the man flu. And I'm really glad that you sent this in, Jen, because this is something that I wouldn't have found um, just because for whatever reason, I don't think I saw it in my feed. Um, But a recent study in the British Medical Journal explores the science behind a debate that has annoyed sniffling, coughing men and infuriated women for years. Is a man flu an actual medical condition? Do men suffer from worse flu symptoms than women? Well, you guys, let me tell you. Dr. Kyle Sue, a clinical assistant professor in family medicine at Memorial University in St. John's, Newfoundland, decided to study the available research to see if he could settle the debate with science. His conclusion? There is actually evidence that the man flu exists, although it is limited. Um, he says that studies actually point to men having weaker immune systems than women. He says, quote, testosterone is a hormone that actually acts as an immunosuppressant, whereas estrogen works in the opposite direction and stimulates the immune system. So men with higher testosterone actually end up being more susceptible to viral respiratory issues and they tend to get them worse. Erica's just dumbfounded (laughs) so my question is you know one thing go ahead you know what dealing with a sick man 
is like it's like the world is falling apart. It's true. I mean, I'm just like suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah. Yeah. Women have had babies in rice fields, so fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I anyway. Sorry. Yeah. Fine. Their little testosterone makes them feel worse. Okay, so, go on. So my question. <laughs> Is, you know, I think we posted it on our Facebook page, um, was a story about male incompetence Mm -hmm. and how it relates to the patriarchy. It's, yeah. And how men, um, they can't make food for themselves. They don't know how to do things properly like an adult. And therefore, women kind of have to step in and take over. And to a degree, they may... Depending on the man, he may or may not be doing it as well as he would if he were by himself because he's just lazy and doesn't want to do it. Yeah. So is this related to that? This idea of having the the man flu? Yes. Because they can't go out. Like the expectation is that women, when they are sick, are going to continue running that household. They're going to continue to take care of the kids. They're going to do all of these things. But the men... Don't don't leave your father alone. He's sick. Okay, so on my on my exposure to traditional television, my once a year exposure, uh, there's this NyQuil commercial and it's like moms don't get sick. Choose NyQuil. I'm like, fuck you. What? What? What message is this sending? We, we also like to send women messages that they can't get sick. Yes, because what will happen? What will the children do? What will happen to the children? I'm like, the children are fine, okay? The kids are all right. They got a father. Next. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't understand why women are encouraged to work all the time Mm -hmm. and men are entitled to come home and sit home and do fuck all. That's why I want to know. Why? (laughs) Well, let me tell you, it's called the patriarchy. (laughs) She just smashed her head into her microphone. (laughs) Um, Any, you know what? Any mother out there knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, The dads stay in bed. They just sleep all day and they want you to dote on them or men in general. I blame them mothers. So I wonder... Like, you know, having since society has progressed since we were children, mm-hmm. hopefully, presumably, um, what are the sick men going to look like that are children now in the future? Are they going to be just as, you know, they're entitled. incompetent? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You want to talk? Inco- oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. But there are a lot of white dudes who are fucking incompetent i go ahead and they just they just like they don't want to go that extra mile because they think that their little contribution is worth a lot more than it's worth well this goes back to the um the article from a few months ago about emotional labor right you know women do all the emotional labor like you see something on the ground and the, the man walks by it and keeps walking by it because he's not putting it, going into the closet to get something else and therefore won't put it away until that moment. Right. Whereas, like, 
he's tripping over it every time. Yes. Whereas a woman will be like, fucking just do it. Yes. And naturally we'll do it ourselves because if they do it, I don't even know what they're doing. Like, I, I, I just. The, <sighs> I can't wait until I have children and get sick and I can tell my partner to just take care of them. You know please what? Please do an Instagram story I on that, please. Just I, deal I with just it. See that. Just deal with it. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out of commission. I'm down for the count. It's like, don't bug me. Get, unless it is a dire circumstance, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to listen to podcasts. I'm going to read my book. I'm going to get some sleep. Be an adult. Exactly. Be autonomous. Can't wait. It's going to happen. And now on to renting receipts. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. (laughs) Do you want to go first? Sure. Great. Okay. Because you know why? (laughs) I get to drag somebody. I love dragging. Okay. My rent and receipts is Justin Timberlake's return to whiteness. He went home, everybody. Uh, they he always went go home. home. They always go home. So I hate Justin Timberlake. And Can we talk about like hating Justin Timberlake for a second? Okay. I fucking hate Justin Timberlake, too. I know. Do we hate him for the same reason? Well, I'm about to give a list. <laughs> Great. I hate him because he... Like, sure, he used to have a couple good albums, and then he's now with Jessica Alba, whatever. Two good albums. Yes. Only two. Yeah. Because I don't know what that 2020 experience and Cat Knocked the Feeling or whatever. Oh, that Troll song was awful. Oh, it was awful. Awful. If you liked it, don't at me because I probably don't want to talk to you. It's not a good song. I hate that song. It's a very bad song. Yeah. It's good for four-year-olds. Exactly. Um, I hate Justin Timberlake because he is very selfish and narcissistic. And I will never forget the cover of People magazine where it's him and Jessica Alba and it's their wedding um, photos. Beale. Jessica Sorry, Beale. Jessica Beale. Yes. Jessica Alba is less beige than Jessica Beale, mm-hmm. who is very beige. Mm. And I don't mean white. I mean boring. And she's a shitty actress. She's- Can we talk about that? I, she bombs like every movie she's yeah, in. No, but this is why she's gone back to TV. She's gone back to what she's good at. Okay, good. Because she needs to stay out of movies. She yeah. stinks up a movie. Yeah. She really yes. does. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So they're, they're, they're People Magazine cover after they got married, and she's just like sitting on the ground or sitting on a chair, and he's like jumping over her. And it's just all Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah's couch. Oh, Yeah. Um, yes. And it's just him making thing. Every he makes everything about him. Yes, he does. Everything is about JT. Yes. So, including Janet Jackson. Oh, you just wait. Okay. <laughs> so, like Miley Cyrus earlier this year, who we talked about, Justin Timberlake has shed his doo-wop-inspired crooner R&B image to return to his country roots. And I use roots in quotations. Air quotes, (laughs) everybody. In doing so, he has apparently also shed his stylist. (laughs) 
only to be replaced by Richard Spencer's half-wit brother in the dueling banjos of deliverance. <laughs> like, for real, he looks like a white supremacist now. Have you seen, uh, like, his new look? It's very yeah. white supremacist. Yes. Which is, wow. <laughs> Apropos. Mm. Um, so... Authenticity is quite marketable now. Mm-hmm. And for white pop stars, that means shifting away from the R&B and, and hip-hop influence roots that made them famous towards the sounds of Southern and country rock, which in itself is fucking racist, and I'll tell you why. It assumes a purity aspect of whiteness that right. I don't like. And so it's like you've gone from the dark side. Yes. To back into the light of purity. And there's nothing wrong with, like, that's just what you've been doing the whole time. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's something it's the wrong. It's the change. And mm. it is the assumption that you've, that you've dirtied yourself in hip-hop and cleansed yourself yes. in country. Yes. Okay. Um, I think this is apparently his... Wait a minute. Did you see the preview of this album? No. Oh, my gosh. It is, it is so... Oh my gosh, it's so self-indulgent. I can't even. Shocking. It's like his it's like he's having his lemonade or his 444 or something. Anyway, so here I think Justin Timberlake's a fraud and here's and I will continue to drag him into 2018. And here is why. Please never stop. Thank you. Let me tell you why. He has a history of throwing women under the bus, reversing like backing up and then just driving over them again just to elevate his career. Yep. Exhibit A, Janet Jackson. We all know that Janet Jackson in Nipplegate 14 years ago since he famously exposed her breasts during the 2004 Super Bowl and basically it ruined her career while elevating his. Even though he's the ripper and she's the rippy. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh wait, who's back at Super Bowl this year? Oh. oh mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm, with that very progressive organization, the NFL. Yeah. Mm. 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 Okay. You know what? If he took a knee, maybe, maybe he can, we can open the door. Maybe, but he won't do that shit. Now, in response to this, in his 2006 interview, he said. I think that America is harsher on women. And I think that America is, you know, unfairly harsh on eth- <gasps> ethnic people. You privileged fuck. Okay. Exhibit B or two, whatever. Britney Spears. Hmm. He threw her ass under the bus too. With their breakup, he used their breakup to prepare to to pump up justified and then in the Crimea River video puts in a Britney um like look alike and basically to play a temptress and a trick ass bitch right on top of that he had this like Barbara Walters interview where he says I promised to her I wouldn't say specifically why we broke up, but basically says why they broke up. 
And then when asked, because Brit- him and Brittany had a celibacy pact. Oh, they had their like marriage thing. Marriage, that, 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 which is very marriage. popular in the late it 90s. It was part popular at the time. Yeah. And she's from like Louisiana. They're from the South. So yeah. it's a it's a thing. And so basically, Barbara Walters asked, well, did you guys wait till marriage? And he's like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Fuck you. Okay. So can we talk of one second about uh, Brittany and Justin at the Grammys and their matching denim outfits? That was funny. Was it the Grammys? Was it the American Music Awards or the Grammys? I don't know. Well, one of those. It was bad, but I love looking at that photo. With his pubic hair? Haircut? He looks yeah. Yeah. When he had the pubic hair on his head? I think so. Okay. Oh. You know what? You know what? Do you remember when he had cornrows? Yes. Unfortunately. Yeah. I like to remember that too. Oh! Which brings me into the next reason why I hate Justin Timberlake. His blatant adoption of all things black has been well documented throughout his career. Thanks to black Twitter. <laughs> Because they always keep receipts. How can we forget the cornrows during the NSYNC period? Or the Tommy Gear do-rag in, in, yeah, he had a photo shoot where he's in Tommy Gear in a do-rag. And I was just like, no. Reason number three. When it comes to music, he's largely benefited from, from pr- really good production from Timberland and Pharrell. So um, he was the first to co-sign the clips on Like I Love You. Mm. And it's led people to suggest that he's dead weight and that everybody else is carrying him. At me. I don't care. <laughs> then, but this, this took the cake. So remember when, okay, remember when Jesse Williams had his speech about you know, blacks in America and structural racism at the BET Awards. Bay Jesse Williams. Bay. And then Justin Timberlake decided to weigh in about um, how important and emotional he got on that speech. And people and then he got dragged. God. I know. I hate him. Because his response to the person who was like what are you talking about? You've been using black culture to elevate your career all the time. Like he's talking about you. He said, realize that we're all the same. He told me all lives mattered that entire thing. Yeah, that was his response. Uh, yeah. Now, have you seen Filthy? I haven't seen the video. I listened to some of the song earlier this morning. It's not good. Didn't it sound like 2006 came back? Like, so like, I didn't listen to the whole song. I was waiting for it to like get to like a really big drop or something really like interesting, and then it didn't happen. No, it sounds like it was left on the cutting room floor of Future Sex Love Song sounds from oh. 2006. But he's doing a country album, so I don't even know where this fits. I feel like he has an identity crisis right now. It's like he's trying to be white, but he doesn't know how because he hasn't been doing that for so long. Yeah. But you really, you want to know what white sounds like? Can't stop the feeling. That's what it sounds like. It does sound like that, yes. Yep. Yep. So I'm just saying, like, 
he hasn't totally shed the R&B thing because it works so well for him. And um, let me just explain this video to you. Great. Can't wait. He's like Steve Jobs at an Apple event in Malaysia. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? Yeah. I don't know why he's in Malaysia. I don't know if it's like an Asian and tech thing that like, like, you know, um, um, stereotype. I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. So he's showing off his latest creation, which is this creepy robot that he has control over with dance moves. So he does the dance moves in the background and the robot like mimics the dance moves. And then the robot goes all like, Brock Turner, you know, like he like the robot kind of goes all Brock Turner on an unsuspecting freshman, you know, college student in the sense like it starts dry humping some of the dancers. What? Yeah. No, you got to watch this. It's really fucked up. And it's just so creepy. And it, 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 it like the robot is playing on these dated sexual patriarchal structures of like sexiness that i'm like dude you're dated Ew. he's like like i feel like justin timberlake now is like that creepy uncle oh yeah totally yeah yeah absolutely like so everybody ew fucking ew justin timberlake he's so 2006 is very dead and that's my rent and receipts (sighs) Well, I'm glad I have something a little bit more um, positive. I'll try to bring the positivity next time. (laughs) So I want to talk today about the politics of interpreting hip-hop for the deaf. What? What? Yeah, so I learned that this was a thing over the holidays that some hip-hop artists like Chance the Rapper, like Snoop, have people on stage with them interpreting no fucking way really yeah that is so progressive right what yeah crazy but oh well not but it's not a but it's Uh, an, an interesting thing that this idea or this movement is is going through um is that there was a video of a viral video i don't know how viral it was since i didn't see it but it was, I guess, viral enough that someone wrote about it, um, was that uh, a white woman was the interpreter for a Snoop Dogg performance doing sign language. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the author of this article in Pitchfork um, said that in a race-related Facebook group they, they were in, the post immediately sparked a heated debate with some people arguing that the white interpreter was just doing her job simply just parroting off what was being said, um, even if it meant occasionally signing things that white people shouldn't say. Oh. Which white people shouldn't say. There's a sign for the N-word? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know how she did it. I don't know. I didn't watch it. Okay. Um, But other people... um, Eschewed, eschewed this no, this notion of objectivity, arguing that the role of an interpreter is to 
is closer to that of a storyteller and that in their storytelling, the interpreters should inevitably filter musicians' lyrics through the lens of their own personal experience. So, um, I don't know about that. So this is actually an interview um, with the founder of Definitely Dope, with D-E-A-F kind of capitalized, um, which is a black-owned Houston-based interpretation company specifically catering to hip-hop. Um, they have one? America, I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah, so the founder uh, is Matthew Maxey. Uh, and in 2011, Maxey started posting uh, videos of himself doing signing to hip-hop uh, online. And by 2014, he had built up enough of a following to found Definitely Dope. He now works with a team of three interpreters and five other associates, typically in pairs at festivals and concerts nationwide. Uh, they did Bonnaroo mm-hmm. over the summer. Um, definitely Dope's interpreters are distinct in that they incorporate specific signed lyrics with gestural movements, providing deaf and hard of hearing fans with comprehensive translations while also exposing hear- hearing audiences to American Sign Language. Oh, wow. Um, so the interview discusses the frustrations about the abundance of interpretation companies run by hearing people who get to decide. So Maxie's deaf. deaf. Okay. And he's got some hearing people on staff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, other companies run by hearing people who get to decide what's best for deaf music fans without truly understanding their own experiences. Uh, Maxie's hopes for definitely dope lie not only in nuanced interpretations, but also in visibility. Uh, perhaps seeing Maxi on stage at a major festival might assure deaf folks that their dreams are achievable. Maybe their work could also inspire other musicians, festivals, and venues to make their shows accessible to the 35 million deaf people and hard-of-hearing Americans, that many, with ma- many of whom are music fans. Wow. Wow. Okay, first of all, can I just say, um, so we have an intersection of ableism and race, basically. Yeah interesting yeah um my so i found this really interesting because i think that canada does a piss poor job of dealing with deaf people canada does a piss poor job of dealing with people who are not in the bell in the center of the bell curve yes um and i will say like accessibility for people with like physical disabilities has improved over the past few years but like I went to a, and I mentioned this on like a very early podcast, like one of the first two episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. I was at a conference in DC in the spring of 2017 and they had someone doing sign language, mm. which you don't see in Canada. No, you don't. Because everyone's too fucking yeah, concerned. were saying that. Yeah. Everyone's too fucking concerned about whether or not it's fucking bilingual. You know what? There are many other people who don't know either of those things because they can't hear you. That's true. We are obsessed with bilingualism. Obsessed. Yes. Anyway, um, I think that the whole like idea of um, signing at hip hop shows is very cool, very progressive, particularly for a community that's not particularly known for their being super progressive. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm surprised that it was at a Snoop Dogg show that he had a like an interpreter. I thought so too, but because like know. I believe like because Chance the rapper is also someone who does it, and I buy that. I'm like, yeah, of course Chance would, of course. Yeah, Snoop. You know what, Snoop 
always surprises you. Yes. Maybe, that's the point. Maybe I, Martha's having, being a good influence that's what on I, him. I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, maybe, maybe Martha knows. Although he should get with this Houston guy. Definitely dope. Yeah. And I think that from like what I understand, like the video, the, the discussion around the video, I think there is a part of like the race aspect and whether or not she like white people should be signing things that white people shouldn't say out loud. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also a difference between whether or not they come from a place of like being a hearing person and being able to like literally like interpret that versus like telling a larger kind of narrative for some to make it easier to consume for someone who doesn't hear. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh, sorry. That's my phone. <laughs> Popular. Um, say that again. Sorry. So there's a difference between there's like the people who are white interpreting hip hop saying yes. saying things that they shouldn't be or shouldn't say out loud. But then there's like the people who are who can sign but are hearing signing to people who can't hear like deaf people i'm here for the forest bias yeah so i i i don't i think i think able people hearing people need to take a back seat on this because there is there is a nuance of communication that you develop when you're not a part of the majority mm -hmm. right so i always talk about or not always but I think I posted something. I, I was telling somebody about about just having a sixth sense of knowing when somebody's comfortable around black people, mm -hmm. and you just develop it because that's your survival skill, right? It 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 tells you whether or not you should approach spaces or whether or not or how you should act in spaces in order to get an optimal result, right? I do believe that every every sort of subgroup, subgenre, sub whatever has that mm -hmm. or marginalized or whatever has that so i do think that there's something being lost once there's like a hearing person who's interpreting for deaf people yeah just like just like yeah you can speak spanish but if you didn't live in i don't know let's say let's say you're you're translating for cubans if you've never lived in cuba or you don't know the culture Right. then it's different, right? It's not the same as yes. a Cuban, you know, um, 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 translating for you. <laughs> I don't know why that. I just, I'm sorry, I lost it. Um, so I do think that having somebody deaf who is doing sign language for deaf people is very important. Right, yeah. That's That's just my two cents. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm here for forest bias. You can't dominate every space, you know, not like able, cis, people, um, you know, heterosexual, white, males, you know, <laughs> all of those people. You can't dominate every space, mm -hmm. right? Like sometimes you have to take a back seat. Yes. Just like sometimes even if, let's say I knew sign language and could interpret I would have to take a back seat. 
Yeah, and it's not saying that you should always take a backseat. It's no. just like knowing when to do it. Yeah, and maybe deferring to you lift and not even deferring, it's lifting, lifting those people those up. Lifting those people up. Yeah. Because you I'm sorry, you can't dominate every space. Sorry. Yeah. You know, I don't see what the I I I I don't think the controversy should be there. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. As for white people signing the N-word, okay, first of all, I'm assuming that they're signing the N-word. Uh, yeah, that's what I That's guess. where the controversy would be. I guess so. I didn't know there was a sign for the N-word. I but, mean, you know, white supremacy. Um, you know, I, uh, I don't know what to say about that. Except context is everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely I watched one of his uh, videos of him signing along to a hip hop. I forgot what song it was, but it was really cool. Cool to watch. Did you? Was yeah. it cool? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is this the definitely or d- yeah. yeah definitely dope dude? Yeah. From Houston. Yeah. Oh, cool. It was cool. Um, I and good for okay. So can I just. Can I just use this to like reference the sure. shooting feminism? So when I say like putting content out there, this is a great example. Yeah. Because nobody in mainstream was going to pick this up. Yeah. Right. But he somehow created his own content, created his own following that spoke to his tribe, like yeah. his people, whoever, whether it's, you know, all deaf people or deaf men or black people or or deaf people or or hip-hop deaf people the point is is that he made a niche for himself yeah that we're now talking about and that was picked up by pitchfork yeah i'm just saying that that that's the way it works now like you know that's all i'm saying yeah in relation to what we were talking about before yeah yeah so good on him yeah very cool all right so stay tuned for massages of the week Woo woo. And now on to misogynist of the week. (sighs) I know. I, 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 yeah. (laughs) It, like, this might be one of our biggest pieces of shit ever covered. And that's saying something. We've covered a lot of pieces of shit, but, like, I very rarely call people a piece of shit this guy an absolute piece of shit and we've covered r kelly we've covered r kelly <laughs> so, and chris brown <laughs> and harvey weinstein and and, and 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 yeah um so i think that it would be appropriate to provide a trigger warning and uh, we are gonna kind of talk a little bit in depth about um some assault sexual assault uh and harassment um so if those things aren't gonna be good for you to listen to then you know what? That's cool. Um, you do you. But uh, <laughs> for the rest of you who are going to make it through this, our massages of the week is Jason Mello, a 26-year-old New York City resident who was found guilty of coercion, assault, menacing, uh, endangering the welfare of a child, and aggravated harassment. Uh, he will serve two to seven years in prison. Like a, in Rikers? I, I don't know. I'm guessing it's It could right. be like Danbury. I have no idea. Whatever federal prison they send him to. I don't think they even have to send him to like a federal prison in the same state. 
I'm not, I don't know. Um, so the Manhattan District Attorney General, uh, Cyrus R. Vance, said, quote, in this egregious case of domestic violence, Jason Mello repeatedly assaulted the mother of his two-year-old child, forced her to walk outside in January naked, filmed his act of utter humiliation, and then disseminated it in a manner that caused it to go viral. Maybe we should go into detail to really grasp the gravity of this. Yeah. Okay. Go like, I, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I will start with this. The man's name is Jason with two S's, so you know he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, in January 2016, at around 5 a.m., uh, Mello entered the Harlem apartment he shared with his ex-girlfriend and mother of their two-year-old daughter uh, after a night out and began to argue with her about text messages that she had received from another man, even though, as she later told authorities, their relationship was over and she was in the process of moving out. Um, According to a statement from the prosecutors, quote, Over the course of the next two hours, the defendant struck the victim repeatedly on her face and body, punching her in the ribs, stomach, and genital area. He also threatened to throw her down the stairs and strike her with a statue. Um, So then at about 8 a.m. after receiving, being victim to all this abuse, uh, the women told police that Mello forced her to leave the apartment, I guess assumingly leaving the child there alone. I guess. Um wearing nothing but a towel and threatened to kill her if she did not comply. He then made her walk down West 142nd street as he filmed her on his cell phone and berated her in the video originally posted to Instagram. Uh, Mello follows his ex-girlfriend as he forces her to walk down the street. At one point she passes garbage cans and he pulls a towel away from her, leaving her naked in the frigid temperatures. You're going to pay the price like a whore right there by the trash, he said to her in a now-deleted video. Pose with your trash. I I don't even know where to begin, except um, I, I just, I, <sighs> where, where do I start with this? Do I start with the obvious abuse? Do I start with, I don't even, I, 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 <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I would like to know who raises these ch- these dudes. First of all, yeah. You know what? Actually, that's really what I want to know. Who raises these dudes to make like because this isn't an acceptable way to treat literally anyone, anyone at all. Like let another alone human being, a member of like of the opposite sex or gender or someone who is not the same gender as you. Um, who is also the mother of your child and then uh, leaving your child in the home by themselves at two years old just to abuse her yeah yeah I don't know I don't know I I, two to seven years seems like like it's I don't know I really don't know <laughs> like, yeah, like this is some next level fuckery. 
This blew my mind when I read it. Oh, yeah, I saw I saw your face as you read it. <laughs> I know. Your it, eyes just kept getting bigger and bigger. I thought they were going to pop out of her head. I honestly thought they were. I was I, with each layer of this story. <gasps> and I'm thinking the uh, – and what is it with men and text messages and, and – or I <laughs> – I don't know where to go with this, Aaron. Yeah. I, I really don't. I I mean, these are the things that people think don't happen. They can't they can't wrap their like I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this. It seems so hyperbolic. Yeah. It seems like something you would see in a movie. Right. And the fact that you thought it would be okay to post to Instagram as it was some sort of, like, thing to be proud of is, like, another level of fuckery. And, like, nobody called the police. Like, did anybody call the police? I don't know. Because that's the other thing. Okay. Now I know where to take this. Bystanders. Yeah. Um, People who say it's none of your business, it's your business. Well, because they're out in public. Yeah. So uh, to see a woman walking around in frigid temperatures with just a towel yeah. is a health concern yep. at the very least. Yep. To see a man mocking her is, um, is a bullying slash abuse concern. Sure. And I would like to ask, what is our responsibility as citizenry if we see something like this? Because you know it's not right. Yeah. You know something's wrong. So what is our what do you think our responsibility is? I mean, depending on the situation, um, you can intervene if you think it's safe for you to intervene, or just like call the police. Yeah. Like I, one day was leaving massage therapy and walked by the museum of nature, and I saw these two girls just like yelling at each other and like chasing each other down the street. And I was like, Oh my God, like there's going to be a fight. And like, there are some other people like their friends and they, I was like, okay, like watching and just making sure that like they weren't getting, getting into a fight, but like that I was like, I knew that it would be safe for me to like, not safe to intervene, but safe to like call the police. Mm -hmm. So I just like stood there with some other people and we just like watched kind of it all roll out. Mm -hmm. But, like, in a situation where I'm walking down the street and I see a man stop a woman and she's kind of, like, hesitant about their interaction, I'll just kind of, like, wait around and, like, watch things unfold to know whether or not I should step in and be like, hey, like, leave her the fuck alone. But it's taking that time, right? Yeah. And most people just don't care enough no. to take the time because we're so self-absorbed. Exactly, yeah. And if, you know... I I hear a lot of people saying, oh, what can we do to, you know, and stuff like that. And I get it. It seems like this seems like the world's going to shit and it seems like it's overwhelming. But I, you know, there is a piece of space in all of our lives that we come either it's there or we come into contact with a situation where um, somebody might need your help. And that matters. Mm -hmm. There used to be a time where people would intervene and stuff like that. We're so individualistic and so 
into ourselves that we don't do that anymore. And we say, oh, it's not a problem, da 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 da. But we're all responsible for what's going on in the world in some way, shape, or form because it's a reflection of us. Yeah, like it's one thing to not want to get involved in like a fight between your parent and sibling mm-hmm. or your friend and another one friend to another friend. That's one thing. But like because like it's a lot more personal relationships and like you want to make sure that you're say, maintaining positive relationships with both of those people. Mm. But like these people on the street like you're it's more of like a well-being thing and a trauma thing than anything um for the people involved and like if i were to find out that i'd walked by something and you know person had been like sexually assaulted or killed i'd feel awful i mean like oh like was that the thing that i saw and just feel like that little nagging guilt of like i could have potentially stopped that from happening right right so i guess i guess the conclusion is be aware of your surroundings just be aware. And I'm not saying that you should, you know, jump in there like, you know. Da, 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 da. Yeah, ex- here to save the day. Exactly. But at least. Um, there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, on that dickhead note, um, I guess that about does it. Yeah. So until next week. Yeah. Where we will have our. Ooh. Ooh. We got some new things coming up next week. Actually, yes. we're going to be interviewing our um, co-host. Our <laughs> thank you, <laughs> our co-host applicants, and those will be coming out uh, in a separate bonus pod. Um, so that'll be exciting. And yeah, don't forget to donate to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/BadAndBitchy. And of course, as always, it's great to be back at Media Style. So shout out to them for letting us use their space. Uh, Media Style is a progressive public affairs agency located in Ottawa, and they are a social enterprise making Canada better. And if you like our stuff, especially our videos, <laughs> please share. Yes. So sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Uh, you can find our content on uh, Twitter at Bad and Bitchy, on Facebook uh, at Bad and B Podcast. Uh, we are also on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod. And then send us your emails, send us love notes, send us suggestions for content um, to our email address, badmbpod at gmail.com. I guess that about does it. Oh, wait. Um, And rate us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. Yeah. We need a rating. We need ratings. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. Bye. Bye.